Welcome to the Furnace Reading Series! We are live at Hollow Earth Radio and tonight we are featuring Matilda Bernstein Sycamore with her piece, The Freezer Door. The Furnace is a quarterly series here at Hollow Earth Radio for prose that features one writer who reads one piece to completion. Hosted in partnership with Hollow Earth Radio, the writer has the opportunity to perform their story in innovative ways, and the audience is given a chance to really listen and experience a whole piece. We'd like to thank Alpha Graphics for sponsoring the printing of the Furnace books. All proceeds from tonight's chapbook go directly to Matilda, so please buy them up and support the artists that you love, and they're only $2. This year, our focus is The Furnace Neighborhood, featuring fiction, nonfiction, and hybrid work where setting plays a major role. Closing out our season in May will be Christine Texiera. And as always, there's lots to do in town. Next Thursday, please come out to Cheap Beer and Prose, where Matilda will also be reading. And it's the final one to take place at Hugo House before it gets demolished and they move to a different location. And also, our favorite festival of independent literature, April, takes place this year from March 15th to the 20th. Check out the whole lineup at aprilfestival.com. And now for Matilda. Matilda Bernstein Sycamore is the author of a memoir and two novels and the editor of five nonfiction anthologies. Her most recent title, The End of San Francisco, won a Lambda Literary Award, and her most recent anthology, Why Are Faggots So Afraid of Faggots? Flaming Challenges to Masculinity, Objectification, and the Desire to Conform, was an American Library Association Stonewall Honor Book. She recently finished a third novel, Sketch to See. Dear publishing industry, if you are listening tonight, publish ske Sketch to See, please, for God's sakes. Welcome, Matilda Bernstein Sycamore. Well, I love this crowd already. So, what I always say before my readings is the only terrible audience is the dead audience, right? So whatever you do, do not be completely silent, you know? Because I could read at home and have the complete silence. So, um, and also do whatever you need to take care of yourself. If you need to get up and jump up and down, if you need to cry, if you need to laugh, if you need to scream and interrupt me, whatever the hell you want to do, you know, just do it, as long as you're not smoking. Um, and so I'm going to read a long piece. It's such a great opportunity to read a whole, you know, piece in, uh, in one hour. Um, it has a few brief pauses, so you feel free to do whatever you want during this pauses. The freezer door. One problem with gentrification is that it always gets worse. But then I go into a Hooters, and it's a vintage clothing store. A friend of mine is trying on breasts. This is why I like dreaming. I remember when faggots kissed hello. We had so much to fear, and so we feared nothing. I mean, we feared one another, but we feared fear more. 
kissing one another on the lips. This was joyous and commonplace, a legacy we were inheriting, an art. How to stretch out the lips in front of face, how to queen it up in front of a loving or hostile public, how to emphasize connection or disdain. We kissed hello because we had to. We had to know that we could kiss like this. A simple greeting, but something splendid and transgressive, even when mundane. Or, that's what it felt like for me when I moved to San Francisco in 92, and I was 19. This kiss didn't necessarily feel like a radical act. It was just something you did if you were a faggot. Whether in suit and tie, or broadcasting the pageantry of outsider imagination. Was this something that united us? I wouldn't have said so then but maybe I'm saying it now. Yes, they were the ones who turned their cheeks. Too good for this kiss unless they explain the sudden turn by mentioning a cold sore. One just starting or one in the past, whichever way we hoped we were taking care. Sometimes you knew someone had really bad breath, but you kissed her on the lips anyway. It was okay to endure a little discomfort to avoid seeming snotty or scared. Unless this was one of those queens who would grab you and start feeling you up, that was a good reason to avoid contact. You kissed the ones you loved and the ones you didn't even like that much. Sometimes even someone you hated, just so you wouldn't seem shady. Too much garlic was never a problem. We kissed anyway. We kissed the living and the dying, knowing that the dying were part of the living and we wanted to keep them with us. Maybe this was a dream. I mean, I know it wasn't a dream then, but maybe it is now. Now we're more afraid, afraid of one another, so even the gestures of intimacy disappear. Most of the time, I don't even think of kissing someone hello anymore. I reach for a hug if possible, and this can be beautiful too, but in a different way. How strange to think that in the early 90s, when it felt like everyone was dying, we were less fearful in certain ways. When I'm washing my hair in the shower, and suddenly I think, what the hell am I doing? Oh, I'm in the shower. This is one of the things I do in the shower. Sometimes repetition leads to revelation. And sometimes revelation leads to repetition, which leads to no revelation ever again. <laughs> you know when you notice someone's looking at you, but you're not sure. So you do the same thing you were just doing so that you don't look like you're looking. I was holding a piece of chewed up licorice root in front of my face in between two fingers, getting ready to throw it out the window. He lit a cigarette. I hate cigarettes. But that's the place for them, downstairs and outside and away from my window. He crossed the street, looked back, waited, 
So then I literally leaned out my window. He came back. Eventually I said, do you want to come up? And he did. That's when I knew my life could start again. There's a certain kind of knowledge growing up in a particular body, socialized to be a particular thing that you will never be. Knowing this and learning to grow with it instead of against. Maybe I'm saying we all need different kinds of people in our lives, right? When anything becomes homogenous, there's a problem. When anything becomes so homogenous that people don't even think about it, that's worse. I used to live in a neighborhood where no one belonged. And so we all belonged. Now, I live in a neighborhood where faggots look at me like I don't belong. And so I don't. Soon, they won't belong either. But this won't make anything better. There's too much desire without desire. Too much desire for desire. Not enough desire. Sometimes we remember the dead and forget the living dead. And sometimes we forget everything. We make art so we don't die, and still we die. Silence is a kind of memory, but memory should never be a form of silencing. Maybe there are exceptions. I know a process can be collective, and a collective can be in process, but what about a collective process without collective process? <laughs> Knowing the gap between what you want and what you yearn for, can there be hope in this? Maybe I'm saying that yearning often comes from spurning, the brokenness from that glance, the desire for seamlessness. Maybe there's no way not to be broken, only a way not to feel broken. But then I actually make the move. First my leg close to his, then my hand a friendly brush against his cheek. Eventually we're making out, and this is when my brain can relax. Maybe not just my brain, but everything. This is what it means to have a body. The conversation is important because it's not important. This is what people do at bars. At some point, he asks me where I live. His name's Caleb. I ask him if he wants to come home with me. He says, I'm undetectable. Where's the transition? I mean, it's like he's online. I guess some people are always online. <laughs> I say I'm negative. He asks me if I fuck raw. He says he wants to fuck my brains out. I say no, I use condoms, but we don't have to fuck. There's lots of other things we can do. The truth is that I wasn't even thinking about fucking. I just wanted to continue the way this was making me feel. He says no, it's not gonna work out. But still I'm here, in my body. I wanna be here. I want to be here in my body with him. 
You're adorable, he says, later when he's back and we're making out again. Adorable. I love that word. <laughs> he asks me where I live again. I guess he's that drunk. He yells over at some guy who just arrived, I want to fuck the shit out of you. I remember a phone sex ad from 2001 <laughs> with someone who looked just like this other guy pretending to be a gas station attendant with rhinestone studs in his ears and jeans with textured pockets. We can't always be attracted to people we don't immediately think are tragic. The way my heart stops a little, and I feel the sensation of not moving. But why? I don't want anyone to fuck my brains out. <laughs> Caleb says, let's switch positions. So now I'm next to James, who makes clothes. He likes my clothes. Maybe Caleb wants me to go home with James. Is this strange or kind or a little bit of both? I'm not sure, but I like James too. This is what happens at bars, or can happen, if you're lucky. James says, do you live here? Because I've never seen you around. And I say, that's because I don't go out. He wants to know why. Somehow I feel so comfortable, even though I'm wondering what this comfort means. How I can feel comfortable in this world where I don't exist anymore. A world I've fled. A world that rarely welcomes me. A world I need so fucking badly. Or maybe I'm not thinking all of this yet. I say, I don't go out because of the smoke. Even smoke machines. Because I don't drink. And because I deal with a lot of chronic health problems. I'm worried about being too serious. Here at this table with these fags I've just met, you're not supposed to be too serious at bars. But how do Caleb and I end up in the bathroom together? I guess it's after he shows me a picture of his dick on his phone. <laughs> I mean, he says it's an accident, but I'll take foreplay any way I can get it. <laughs> So we're making out against the wall by the toilet, and then he's pushing me downwards, so I'm on my knees. Yes, his dick in my mouth. Someone comes in, and maybe Caleb is ready to pull away, but I could stay here all night. Then we're in the bathroom that locks. He smacks my face kind of hard, and I love it. How could we be so connected in this sexual way? Now he's sucking my cock, pulling on my nipples, but then I say that's too hard. Rub my chest. And then he does it right. I ask him if he wants me to smack his face, too. He doesn't. Somehow this is kind of funny. And then he stands up and says, that was your chance. My chance for what? <laughs> Your chance to get off. I didn't know I was trying to get off. Later, he's telling me I'm adorable again. I really do love that word. He leaves to go home, but then he's back again, and he looks really sad. I start to say, did you just have a mood swing? But I stop myself, because maybe that's too familiar. What happened, I say. And he says, it's nothing. I just missed the bus. I say, I just got really sad because you're sad. 
is that okay? Are we making out or just petting each other? Or am I just petting him? He's adorable. <laughs> is that okay to say, even while he's sad? Do you see how I'm so present? How this presence can mean so much, even in a situation that really means nothing. He doesn't want my number. I already know that. He has a boyfriend. Everyone in the bar is smashed because it's Sunday night. Sunday night early, but early Sunday night is the messiest. This is why people are having sex. This is why people are being honest, at least some of the people. But I like it, even if it's the messiness that makes people more open. I don't need it but maybe they do. Beneath the shade and the shame and the sadness, there's a sweetness. And I haven't felt this in years. I mean, have I ever? So I'm walking home with James. I mean, he's walking to the next bar, and I'm walking him there on my way home. Everyone was exchanging stories at the bar, so I asked him if it's okay to talk about Caleb. Does Caleb always get sad like that? Is he a sad drunk? <laughs> we talk about what we do, whatever that means. But there's a connection, I think. I mean, I need to come back into this world. Maybe even now. I kiss James goodbye. I mean, we kiss goodbye and I make it into the kiss that means we're making out until he indicates with his hands that that's enough. And then we say we'll get together soon. This is a part of me that I want to be part of. I mean, I want this back. How long it's been since I've had fag friends in my daily life. How much longer it's been since I've dated anyone. I mean, over a decade. When my body needs in order to be a body that's not just a body of needs. I'm getting really emotional. I'm right at the edge of being able to cry. When I get home, the phone is ringing and I see it as James. He's calling me to give me his number because he forgot that he always gave my number. I feel like I'm back in my body and I'm shut down. I'm so close to crying. Somewhere, there's a place in my body where I can actually feel alive. <clears throat> Walking through Tashkent in the morning, and doesn't that sound romantic? But really, it's just a tiny park of dirt and dog shit. Someone comes rushing up to me and says, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I saw you on the bus the other day and I really like the way you dress. No, that doesn't sound weird at all. He looks like the awkward best friend from one of those movies in the 80s, <laughs> except he was probably born in the 90s. In a month, he's flying to Bangkok to travel through Southeast Asia because he doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. 
And then, as I'm getting closer to the real park, volunteer. I mean, I like everything about this park except its name in honor of the volunteers in the Spanish-American War. The way colonialism is always there. Even when we're looking at the trees and just as I'm about to enter the park, I hear someone saying, hello. I look over. And there's an older woman with curly gray hair in a sleek silver car, slowing down to stop the car behind her. And I figure she's going to ask for directions. But instead, she says, you look fabulous. (laughs) And then I get a rush through my body. This is what I'm looking for. This feeling of feeling what's going on inside me. And then at the end of the walk, when I'm getting closer to home, tired now, looking in at the yoga boutique to see a black tank top with shiny copper lettering that says, wait, already I can't remember. One of those yoga slogans. (laughs) Fill in the blank next to tie-dye print hot pants and a blue sweatshirt reading, love is all you need. Because really, all you need is a sweatshirt. (laughs) When you wonder what you've always wondered, but in a different way, maybe this is what it means to grow, to move into a new space of wondering. I want my body to feel my body. I want my body to feel. Staying present in desire without losing track of my sense of self. Staying present in my sense of self without losing track of desire. Sometimes I feel invisible, which is not the same thing as saying that I am invisible. I'm leaving Volunteer Park again at the end of another morning walk. Some guy's following me in his car, but I'm kind of in denial about it because it's the middle of the day. And because I'm wearing a purple hat with flower on it. Faggots are so afraid of flowers. Probably straight. I have a private garage, he says, before driving me into a building where every parking spot is taken. I need to piss. He opens the door to a stairwell. You can piss here. No one ever uses this stairwell. (laughs) What do you like to do, he says. And I don't have the answer, because I'm attracted to the dynamic, but not to him. First of all, way too much cologne. He wants to fuck me, which sounds pretty hot in this stairwell with the unfinished stairs and cement floor. But he doesn't have a condom. We can go next door, he says, right, aid, which isn't next door. I say, we can go to my place. And when we get inside, he starts to sit on my bed. And I say, don't sit there. I'm pretty sensitive to cologne. I hope that's okay. Of course he has poppers, even though he says he wasn't looking for sex. He fucks me on the floor in the entryway. Maybe not the best thing for my knees. When he's done, he throws the condom in the toilet. Luckily, it doesn't flush. He says, are you shy? You seem pretty shy. But I might have just been invited to a covert Super Bowl party. (laughs) I keep listening to the message to see if it says, we will be watching football, or we won't. 
They're saying something about making vegan curry, but do you think it's a trap? (laughs) What if I get there and everyone's wearing Seahawks helmets and cock socks? (laughs) Suddenly it's very quiet. I guess I should go outside while the game is going on and then get back home before it ends, right? Sudden memories of my father screaming at the TV. He thought that if he screamed loud enough, he would be a working class psychiatrist. I don't know which is worse. People who watch football because they like football or people who watch because everyone's watching. Now I'm in another gay bar. I knew it would be awful but I didn't know it would be this awful. (laughs) When someone asks, what's your real name? You might be in the wrong place. When four different people ask, what's your real name? You're definitely in the wrong place. Then there's the queen who says, are you a boy or girl? Just kidding. People at gay bars have really evolved. (laughs) This queen was dating someone who had my haircut. He was 25 and she thought he really liked her, but then he said she was too feminine and short. I am short, she says. She doesn't like it when people say, how old are you? What a ridiculous question. Then she says, How old are you? (laughs) She had sex with this guy who's a bar back, but she didn't like it when he said he usually likes to fuck several guys in a row. They were at a bathhouse. Every gay bar is an accidental comedy routine. The best comedy routine is the one that takes itself seriously. When you see a sign in the bathroom that says, anyone caught selling or using drugs will be banned from this establishment, you know where to find drugs. (laughs) When someone in the bathroom says, I've never been pee shy before in my entire life, is this a compliment? I end up watching the guys playing pool in the room that isn't so overheated. Drunken hipsters humping the table, kind of out of place in this bar where the suburban imagination hasn't even caught on to hipsterism. The hottest one for me is kind of butch, but he's wearing this t-shirt with little flowers on it. I'm in love with that t-shirt. I mean, I'm in love with that t-shirt on him. He comes over to introduce himself, and when I hold him my hand, he does that thing like he's confused that I'm not offering a proper masculine handshake. But somehow, I don't mind because I like the feeling of his hands so much. He keeps looking at me, and later he says he's going to go out, but he'll be back, so I lean over to kiss him just to be friendly, but also to see what might happen, and what happens is he turns away and reaches for my hand again but I don't need another handshake. So I kiss his neck. What matters is that I've gone up to the one I'm most attracted to. I've gone up and I've made a move and now it's time for me to go home. Suddenly remembering all those times when I reached my hand out for someone to crush me. 
But without mandatory masculinity, what would I be? I still remember that cactus I threw out the window as a kid when it poked me. And then it just grew and grew. When I say, hi, my name's Matilda, and everything's not already over. That sounds so basic. I mean, it is so basic. I can't remember the last time someone asked me what I would do if I was stuck on a desert island. Sometimes going to the grocery store makes me feel less alone. Sometimes I'm trying to tell someone about this new opening in my life, and I end up feeling closed. When I say opening, I mean the possibility that when I feel, I won't feel like I shouldn't feel. My body in a room with other bodies feeling me feeling my body. When I say this room, I mean you. When I say you, I mean make room. On a good day, I write in sentences. On a bad day, I write in thoughts. You know when you're dreaming and past and present blend together in a way that makes it feel like maybe you can imagine a future. And then you wake up. Dreaming is not quite escape, not quite thinking, not quite feeling, or is it? Because sometimes I feel so much more hopeful when I'm asleep. Like, this is the day when everything changes. I mean, once I wake up, or maybe I'm already awake, but not quite, because it's that possibility of living in two times or experiences at once, but in the same body. The one that lets me down as soon as I get out of bed. Every time I shave, I get the same shaving cut. It's like it's lying there dormant, <laughs> waiting for the blade. I don't understand when I chop my finger instead of the onion. I don't understand why nothing heals. I'm kind of new to this, says the ice cube. Don't ever leave me, says the ice cube tray. I'm melting, says the ice cube. Why can't it always be this way, says the ice cube tray. Everyone likes me when I'm cold, says the ice cube tray. But I want to be fluid, says the ice cube. Hold me. I'm always holding you, says the ice cube tray. <laughs> I want to live on my own, says the ice cube. No one appreciates me, says the ice cube tray. Explain gentrification to me, says the ice cube. Crushed ice, says the ice cube tray. What about global warming, asks the ice cube. Even I'm going to melt, says the ice cube tray. Let's watch Olympic figure skating. Stop, you're giving me nightmares, says the ice cube. Cocktails, says the ice cube tray. You're mean, says the ice cube. Okay, ice maker. Slush, says the ice cube tray. Recycling, says the ice cube. 
Snow cone, says the ice cube tray. Okay, I'm sick of arguing, says the ice cube. We need a mediator. <laughs> Can you believe some people put ice in their coffee, says the ice cube tray. I don't even want to talk about it, says the ice cube. <laughs> but sometimes I wish you wouldn't squeeze me so tightly. Okay, I'll try to loosen up, says the ice cube tray. But I can't promise you won't slip away. Let's not think about that, says the ice cube. Is there anyone else around? Just us, says the ice cube tray. I like it best this way. Tell me you love me, says the ice cube. I like you a lot, says the ice cube tray. Tell me you'll never leave me, says the ice cube. I can't say that, says the ice cube tray. What is love anyway? An open freezer? If I'm not free to leave, is this really an open relationship? Asks the ice cube. The only open relationship is the open door, says the ice cube tray. Are you trying to scare me with a metaphor? Asks the ice cube. Let's watch videos of the North Pole, says the ice cube tray. No, the South Pole, says the ice cube. But there are people at the South Pole, says the ice cube tray. Good point, says the ice cube. Are there penguins at the North Pole? I liked that movie about penguins, says the ice cube tray. Me too, says the ice cube. But can we watch it on mute this time? I didn't like that awful voiceover. Or the classical music. I just want to hear the penguins. What do you think about satire, asks the ice cube. I don't understand it, says the ice cube tray. People talk about freezing temperatures like that's a bad thing, says the ice cube. Where would we be without freezing temperatures, asks the ice cube tray. Why are there so many songs about holding on, says the ice cube. People don't understand pain, says the ice cube tray. Have you ever felt hopeful? Asks the ice cube tray. I don't understand hope, says the ice cube. Maybe it's like when the lights go off, says the ice cube tray. Sing me a happy song, says the ice cube. You're as cold as ice. You're as cold as ice. You're as cold as ice, I know, sings the ice cube tray. Nobody is innocent, says the ice cube. You're not as experienced as you think you are, says the ice cube tray. Experience isn't everything, says the ice cube. What else is there, says the ice cube tray. Feeling, says the ice cube. I don't understand, says the ice cube tray. Do you believe in God, asks the ice cube. How could I? says the ice cube tray. What does it mean when someone says a relationship is on ice? Asks the ice cube. It means you love me, says the ice cube tray. Ice, ice, baby is one of my favorite songs, says the ice cube. It's underrated, says the ice cube tray. But ice cube is a better rapper. Flattery will get you anywhere, says the ice cube. Although, I don't know if I really understand pop culture. We're not part of the intended audience, 
says the ice cube tray. People talk about the ice age like we're not part of this world, says the ice cube. Are we? asks the ice cube tray. Why do people hate poetry, asks the ice cube. Because it's like us, says the ice cube tray. I don't know if we're getting anywhere, says the ice cube. An honest acknowledgement of the situation is a first step, says the ice cube tray. Sometimes I wonder if there's anything else out there, says the ice cube. We all do, says the ice cube tray. What do you do when you're not in the freezer, asks the ice cube. You don't want to know, says the ice cube tray. I wish you wouldn't be so evasive, says the ice cube. It's for your own good, says the ice cube tray. Do ice cubes go to heaven, asks the ice cube. Only people believe in heaven, says the ice cube tray. Let's cuddle, says the ice cube. I love cuddling, says the ice cube tray. Sometimes I feel like I'm lost, says the ice cube. We're all lost says the ice cube tray. I still don't mean what it, I don't understand what it means to save up for a rainy day, says the ice cube. It means always use an umbrella, says the ice cube tray. At least we don't live in the desert. Explain violence to me, says the ice cube. Someone turns off the electricity, says the ice cube tray. <laughs> what is the meaning of life, asks the ice cube. There's no future for us, says the ice cube tray. But sometimes I like living in denial. What does it mean when Paula Abdul says, he's a cold-hearted snake, look into his eyes, asks the ice cube. It means she's in love, <laughs> says the ice cube tray. Explain nihilism to me, says the ice cube. <laughs> Everything melts, says the ice cube tray. Explain existentialism, says the ice cube. This isn't freedom, says the ice cube tray. Explain democracy, says the ice cube. This is democracy, says the ice cube tray. Explain communism, says the ice cube. We're in this together, says the ice cube tray. Explain anarchism, says the ice cube. I don't understand anarchism, says the ice cube tray. <laughs> I don't understand people, says the ice cube. Even people don't understand people, says the ice cube tray. What is it like to gamble, asks the ice cube. Open the freezer door, says the ice cube tray. Thanks for opening the freezer door with me tonight. <laughs> One more round of applause for Matilda. That was so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you all for coming out. Love you so much. See you again in May. And buy Matilda's book in the back. OK, good night.